Mosh Pits. Well, it's Thursday, and we're back with another Days of the New Mosh Pit. This is Nick, joined by my co-host, Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Uh, I'm real hungover. I'm real hungover. Ooh. What'd you What'd you get into? I uh, went to Raleigh yesterday with uh, a couple of the boys, and basically uh, was left in a consequence-free environment with a bunch of whiskey, a bunch of pot, which I, I normally don't indulge in. Uh, huh. Yeah, I, I put nothing but bad things in my body. As they say, garbage in, garbage out. So you're, you're like rotten on the inside. Oh my God, right. down to my very soul. But, you know, I'm here. I'm going to give it my best. I got a, a hot toddy, so. Yeah, so put, let's put some more whiskey in there. <laughs> Look. Jesus Christ. Is it a problem? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Mm. Speaking of problems, this week we are joined by our friend of the show, Mogan Brown. Hi, Mogan. Hey. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us as... Uh, after last week's episode, we would be remiss. You know, I, I had mentioned to you, Nick, that there's so many roadside attractions along the Danzig Highway that if we stopped and looked at each one, we'd never get to where we were going. But we do have with us Mogan, who is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the foremost authority on uh, all things Glenn Danzig, at least in my orbit. Mogan, as long as I've known him, has a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of the man, the bands. Uh, Mogan, you played in a Misfits cover band, which I've been lucky enough to see a few times. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, so we wanted to take this episode to uh, allow you to indulge us with some of uh, the Danzig tales that we may have missed or just simply don't know. Yeah, I love him. He is he, sometimes the stuff gets dumb, but then that's also part of what's awesome about it. <laughs> Someone once asked me, <clears throat> well, as a person who I was having a giant poster of the Misfits custom framed uh asked me it's it's a it's about a five foot tall poster that i've had since the late 90s <laughs> they asked me is the misfits your favorite band and i was like probably <laughs> you know they're awesome i mean it's at its core it's it's doo-wop songs played with buzzsaw guitars you know <laughs> so i guess i'm here today to talk about uh the many foibles of glenn danzig yes. So, yeah, as you covered, you know, his first claim to fame was the Misfits. I guess we'll start with it kind of ended unceremoniously when um, Glenn just started being a, a massive dick <laughs> instead of just a pretty big dick. <laughs> Apparently, he um, just before the band broke up, he fired their drummer because he had a sack of hamburgers <laughs> blended. The drummer asked for a second one. They were like 35 cent hamburgers. And Glenn was like, no, fuck you. You get what I give you. Nice. What is he fucking wimpy from Popeye? Well, yeah. Um, so they played their last show ever, you know, October 30th, 1983. He's already decided he's moving on to do Samhain. For the record, I would say it is Sam Hain and not Samhain Thank you. because I've heard him pronounce it that way. Also, this is the early 80s. You know, you didn't have the option of the Wikipedia pronunciation. You just had it written in the dictionary or whatever occult books he was getting things out of. He starts Sam Hain. There was originally supposed to be a super group with him and two of the members of Minor Threat. Mm. That just didn't work out because he stopped communicating with them even after their first show. Well, I feel like like members of Minor Threat and Fugazi like only communicate via like postal service. <laughs> like, I feel like yeah, they don't yeah. like just seem like very anti-technology, probably don't have cell phones. Like you have to you have to send them a certified letter <laughs> to get a hold of uh, Ian McKay. Well, so it was it was supposed to be uh, Brian Baker, who's been in Bad Religion for almost 30 years now, and Lyle Preslar, who was the guitar player in Minor Threat and who will play more into 
misfits crazy lore later um when he is an AR guy at the record label that tries to work out some, some of these various lawsuits glenn started bringing his own guys in who were People he knew who were teenagers who also didn't know how to play their instruments. Anyways, he does Sam Hain for a few years. Um, the Cliff Burton uh, and the other dudes in Metallica are super stoked on Sam Hain because they're also huge Misfits fans. That eventually leads to Rick Rubin. They get on his radar. He decides to sign them, but then convinces Danzig to change the name of the band from Sam Hain to Danzig. And it was apparently Rick Rubin's idea of doing this and he told glenn that way you know you can change band members whenever you want and this will truly be your project and rick rubin is like he's not so much of a sonic guy as it is like an idea man of like hey johnny cash should only play guitar or like apparently he signed the black crows and told them they should change their name to the cobb county crows <laughs> that way their um initials would be kkk oh jesus christ robinson brothers didn't think so so yeah in my opinion the first four danzig albums are awesome yeah no it's indisputable oh it is it is um i when i you know worked at a record store many years ago i tasked with making my employee recommends and we had a copy of danzig one and i described it as the sound of conan the barbarian riding a motorcycle (laughs) (laughs) i mean it is corny and like uh the actual guys who are in spinal tap point said like this idea of mochismo of like this isn't something women find sexy this is something 11 year old boys find sexy of, <laughs> so like, true this is what you know it's he-man and oh, it totally sure. is yeah i i don't think i've ever met a female dancing no <laughs> <laughs> my, my my girlfriend was like i don't know who that guy is from your last episode and like, uh-huh. I don't think that's not common. I think Danzig is very much music for dudes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even his own aesthetic choices, it's 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 kind of like, well, where, you know, what is his deal? And it's like, I think he's just really into like Americana. He's really in, you know, and of that, just like horror movies of the 50s and stuff like that. And that eventually leads to, you know, weird crappy from dust till dawn stripper videos and whatnot <laughs> so so the misfits break up he does sam hayne it's the late 80s he then t- and because he had run um all the misfits records with the exception of walk among us were released by his own label plan mm-hmm. nine so the misfits really only had two albums while they were a band they did walk among us which was released on slash and then um, they did uh, Earth AD slash Wolf uh, uh, Wolf's Blood, which the back cover has a uh, wolf man with an exposed penis, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, part of Danzig's weird aesthetic, as you were mentioning on Danzig 6 with the weird cat lady naked vagina. Thing. <laughs> the whole thing was they had actually recorded an album that was never released as an album that was called Static Age that was done in 1978, but they had only released singles and they had only released the singles through Plan 9 mm-hmm. that you could only get from them. Like they didn't really have distribution. It was a lot of mail order that Glenn was doing himself through the Misfits Fiend Club. So the Misfits Fiend Skull may be the most iconic band logo most tattooed yeah i mean it's definitely up there with the black flag bars but i mean like you're more likely to see someone in a misfits fiend skull shirt than a rolling stones tongue or whatever you Definitely. Know? and that comes from it was a it was like a 40s or 50s um serial called the crimson ghost that eventually became public domain danzig did all the art himself he did all the screen printing himself and so he just took that image and then because it was public domain somehow copy wrote it i didn't really copyright he probably slightly altered it enough to where it was an original design which could then be copyrighted 
this will come in the late 90s but yes so the misfits break up their legend grows it becomes you know cassette tapes passed around by you know kids skating mm-hmm. you know so many people have stories of like side a was misfits walk among us side b was black flags damaged mm-hmm. or you know the clash or sex pistols or whoever danzig starts reissuing um kind of sort of greatest hits of the misfits um there's collection one and legacy brutality yep. On these, he lists himself as the only songwriter, and he apparently has re-recorded the guitar tracks with his own guitar playing. Jerry only doesn't even find out about this until like 1990 when this starts. He starts doing this at like 86, 87. Jerry finds out about this and is just like, oh, well, I need to get paid for this. And but Danzig is claiming he's the only iced them out. Exactly. So that eventually leads to possibly the first of many lawsuits that are still probably going on now. Basically, it comes down to a judge rules that in lieu of Danzig having to pay back money, basically anything for the misfits going forward, Jerry needs to be cut in on. And basically they can each do the misfits on their own, which also leads to Jerry reform. Forming the Misfits with Michael Graves. Oh, boy. Yeah. But it also <laughs> means that Danzig has to surrender the original masters so they can do this box set that Lyle, who was in Minor Threat, who was then an AR guy at Caroline, he orchestrated the whole thing. So there's the coffin box yep. set that was basically all the original recordings, the original Static Age, which Danzig claimed didn't exist. Um, and it, yeah, it came in a coffin. I remember and, that. Yeah. 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 It was a huge deal. So when they were doing the negotiation for the box set in 95, uh, I heard Lyle Presler tell this whole story on a podcast once. Um, he said that they did the meeting separately from Danzig, but um, Jerry and Doyle showed up to the meetings in full makeup. <laughs> and um, apparently they were like giving this like PowerPoint presentation. They were like so loud and boisterous. People thought there was a fight happening <laughs> and like people like ran into like being like, what's going on? But it was just them being like Jersey. <laughs> So then Danzig's doing the Danzig thing. Um, Jerry restarts the Misfits. That goes through a whole bunch of iterations and stuff. Anyways, and then that eventually leads to the about five or six years ago when through the same kind of arrangement, they decide they will play shows again if they're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars and stuff. And so, yeah, they've been doing these like arena shows as the original Misfits and, you know, headlining Riot Fest and stuff. And that is millions of dollars, right? I've heard it's a lot of money. Yeah, really? I mean, for these per show, yeah, that they've been getting about a million dollars. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, there's... These t-shirts are everywhere. The music is huge, you know. I think uh, Fat Mike said when they played Riot Fest, they last night they played to more people in one night than they played their entire Easily. career. Yeah. You know? I've heard rumors of like 60,000 people at Riot Fest and stuff. And so. What? How was it? I mean, I thought it was awesome. I've seen it three times now. And uh, the last time was kind of this last Riot Fest was kind of stupid because uh, they were playing Walk Among Us beginning to end, which is a 25 minute record, but took them over an hour to get through because like they'd stop for like six, seven minutes between 40 second songs. Did Glenn pop his shirt off at the reunions? No, no. Oh, dear. No, No, it's not. It's not the Mother 93 video anymore. Mm. No, 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 no. Who is in the lineup? It's show. Danzig and Jerry only, and then Doyle, Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein, <laughs> who is Jerry only's actual brother, and then um, uh, Dave Lombardo from Slayer oh, is playing drums. Fun. Cool, and then he's he's been the drummer for this entire project. Oh, all right, and then this guy AC Slade, who I guess plays in the band Dope. <laughs> Wait, he, what? 
All right. Oh, yeah. Tie it all together. Yeah. He plays, uh, is actually playing guitar because right. it's kind of up in the air how much actual guitar playing uh, Doyle's doing because Doyle is like normally just like flexing and doing these like <laughs> muscle moves and stuff. And so, yeah. Meanwhile, Michael Graves is a proud boy now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a real one. Like, I'm not just calling him a proud boy. Like, he was supposed to play a show for the Proud Boys in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Was he really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the only two times I've seen the Misfits. Uh, and this was back in the 90s, what was the Michael Graves era misfits. But here's mm-hmm. the weird part. Both times, do you know who their support act was? Earth Crisis. Uh, oh. Weird. Dude, so many people got their asses beat. Like You had, <laughs> you had these like, you know, little weirdo punk, punk rock guys smoking cloves and this and that. And then you'd oh. have a guy in Jinkos with like Krishna beads just fucking beat the shit. <laughs> in comes the firestorm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was great. Um, yeah, that then that lineup was weird. I saw it once on Halloween 2010, and um, Michael Graves, I think, only lasted like less than two years. And then Jerry tried finding, I think he got Zoli from Ignite for like a tour mm-hmm. or two. And then at some point, he just decided he would do all the singing. And it's not rad um, i went one year with my friend chris who i did the misfits cover band with we were there with our other friend ben like it was real bad i mean they're playing these songs we love and it just sounds like total garbage <laughs> but it's like still kind of fun it's also on actual halloween and at one point ben turns to both of us and goes how long did you guys want to stay <laughs> <laughs> Chris just said, I was waiting for one of you guys to say something, and I was like, I was too. <laughs> so I think at that moment, we we just we left. <laughs> what, what's our next stop on the Danzig Highway? Well, so let's see. So we're here to talk about Danzig being shitty. So some of the most famous ones, um, do the Northside Kings now? Now, let's get right to it. That's what everybody knows that Danzig okay. for. So everyone knows about Danzig getting punched because it's a video, and everyone's seen the video. And so um, the story behind that is in 2004... Danzig was playing a show in somewhere in Arizona and like a typical shitty metal show. There's like 10 bands mm-hmm. on the bill and this band, the North side Kings are playing and no one knows anything about this band, except this is the band whose singer punched. Wrote a book about it. You could call it that. It was apparently a compilation of hate mail. He <laughs> that constitutes writing a book. Anyway, they were going to be like the first of like twelve bands to play, but Danzig shows up and you know takes forever to sound check. Doors don't even open till five. You know the show's supposed to go until two a.m. Danzig's like, I'm out of here before midnight, man. I'm going home. So someone tells the Northside Kings, okay. How about you can play after Danzig? And they're like, okay, cool. And apparently as soon as the show ended, the house lights went up. No one had communicated this to the house crew. They tear the stage down because no one wants to pay triple overtime to have the Northside Kings play. The singer decides the best course of action is to approach (laughs) the talent directly about this. And also his friend is there filming this. And so... The video is this guy, uh, Danny Marianino, and, um, you know, he just approaches Glenn and is just like, hey, man, we drove a long way. We should play. And Glenn's just like, what do you what do you want me to do about it? And the guy's like, well, come on, man. And then as Glenn does, he chooses violence <laughs> and literally shoves the guy who's a, 
about a foot and a half taller than him and just yells, fuck you, motherfucker. And then the guy just turns and <laughs> socks Glenn, who just twirls and falls. And then the clip ends. You know, you don't see what happens after that. And then the guy's, you know, forever lives in infamy as the guy who punched Danzig. So for years, he teased he was going to get into the the film industry and um, well, fucking Rob Zombie can. Why can't I? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, he literally was shortlisted for playing Wolverine for years before the Hugh Jackman movies came out. And he had started his own uh, comic book company. Verotic. Verotica. Yeah. Yes, Verotic, yes, which was um it was porno comics. Yeah, <laughs> it's porno yeah, comics. Yeah, 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 just... yeah, yeah. I mean they are they're supposed to be like he republished a bunch of like Japanese stuff and um Did it have dicks and tentacles and weird titties? <laughs> it's more on the weird titties. It's porno side. comics. I haven't, I, I haven't I haven't read the actual comics, okay? You know, it's, it's ver- verotic, which is violent and erotic. It's some incel shit. It's not not. But, uh, <laughs> so in 2019, word gets out that he has made his motion picture directorial debut, and it's called Verotica, and it is inspired by his, you know, his comics. And the film is going to premiere in Chicago at the Cinepocalypse Film Festival, and he will be in attendance. Of course, I buy a ticket. <laughs> so it was at the Music Box Theater, and it was kicking off. The- this film festival and like any Danzig anytime I've ever seen him, he's gone on late and then he's like gotten mad about something. And this was pretty much the same. Um, the movie is supposed to start at seven around seven 45. They like make this announcement and he's supposed to be there to introduce the film. They're like, the print is on its way. And it's just like this thing, this is on a thumb drive. He's just, he just has this reputation for kind of like throwing a fit when he's having a bad day and stuff anyway so he shows up and he introduces the movie and he's just like yeah this movie's pretty cool this is all the stuff i like i like violent things and i like erotic things and a lot of people you know that's pretty crazy um and he's like he's saying he's like yeah a lot of people a lot of people don't know this but i got a background in in, in filmmaking i went to film school i'm so old school i talk about if stops uh, is this true which, all right did he actually do any of this Maybe. I don't know. He went by a film film school. I don't know. Maybe this was in his when he was 15 getting his drinking out of the way. I don't know. So they they show the movie and it is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. It's like not even a good bad movie. Like if you're familiar with Tommy Wiseau's The Room, that is like Citizen Kane compared to this. Like that at least like look, people are doing things and you can like it has a pace to it it you know it goes this movie like scenes just go on for like minutes and there's nothing happening it's so it was an anthology it was a three-part anthology so it's three different stories the first one is about a woman who has uh eyeballs for nipples <laughs> and uh wonderful ev- everyone everyone is doing um who apparently was played by his then girlfriend who is the woman that took the photo wrapping of the presents yeah presents. Everyone in this in the, this first one is doing this horrible, horrible French accent that it's almost like as soon as they start doing their lines, you just like, yeah, do it in French. You know? <laughs> She's upset because a man has walked out on her in the middle of lovemaking because he saw her. She had eyes for nipples that have like eyelashes and everything. And she goes, oh, no, not again. <laughs> um, and so her boobs start crying. And it... it a tear hits a 
spider which is cgi which looks like you know season one of like babylon five level it's like it would look like an animatic for anything else but this is this is a theater print we got here it hits this spider which then turns into a giant spider guy who looks like kind of like goro like he's got like extra arms and in some scenes you can tell it's a guy behind him two guys behind him with actual arms most of the time it's just like mannequin arms and then he just becomes this like spider monster who's like i will kill prostitutes these all happen in the movie this goes on for like 25 minutes part two was about a stripper who cut women's faces off and wore them as her own face and it goes nowhere there's like some hard-boiled detectives who are like well i can see the motive for the crime here she cuts off their faces <laughs> and then the third one was it's supposed to be about um oh it's set in medieval times and uh, this woman who wait the restaurant or the actual both no it was an actual there were there were horses and you know some uh there's a bathtub uh full of blood that has skulls on it this woman is bathing in virgin blood and like the scene just goes on for like five minutes and it it's like he forgets to yell cut <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 throughout the movie people are just laughing and they're laughing loud and it is like it's as if you're at like a screening of the room yeah. or something and I was worried he was not going to come back for the post show interview and uh he came out and he was like, "Hey, I heard you guys laughing. That's pretty cool." <laughs> My my friends and I used to go see real fucked up violent movies back in the seventies. We we laugh at that too. That's pretty cool. And you know, so then he just I don't know, just goes on to talk about how great he thinks he is and stuff. And um he also when he uh came back at the end of the screening, he was like escorted on stage by two uh CPD police sergeants. Like he got like a police escort. Like it's it's so dumb. He had like dudes in the crowd like I guess he's notorious for like he doesn't want photographers and so he'll have these like fat guys on stage with like laser pointers like trying to point oh, out people God. like filming them but it's like it's you a know, fucking narcissist it's the, 20, it's the 2020s you can't stop that so that's that was horrible and then he made another movie so that night he, he said like yeah I'm working on another movie it's a vampire western <laughs> so that came out like in 2021 and <laughs> It was showing as like a fathom events thing. And I hit up my buddy Blake, who we had gone to the the um Veronica screening for, and I was like, I was like, this looks horrible. Do you want to go? And he's like, Yeah, looks, absolutely, we're going. And it's it's just as bad. It has actual name actors in it. Danny Trejo's in it. Devin Sawa plays hey. the character Death Rider, who's a vampire cowboy. Danzig himself is in it. And uh yeah, Julian Sands, who was in the Warlock movies. Um He's in it. It's got a little bit more of a plot of basically there's a brothel for vampires. Vampires need the fuck. Vampires are pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, it's 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 just as bad. Personally, you know, I think if you were to like take these ideas and like bring them to someone else, and I I, I think the same thing for his music. This is just me in my opinion. But if you were to like like that Elvis record, it's like it's really bad because it sounds like an old man wheezing <laughs> yeah, singing it Elvis records. If you were to like take that to someone like Rick Rubin or something, you know, and be like, okay, this is what we're working with here. Let's do this, or just someone coaching him, or like if you were to take his like horror movie ideas to like Robert Rodriguez and be like, this is what i'm inspired by this is what i want to do they'd be like cool this let's do it this way but otherwise you just have like it's like literal like you know porn level uh production value sometimes it's literal porn 
<laughs> sometimes it yeah like you were saying sometimes it's literal porn but well this has been uh an illuminating tour it really doesn't change my opinion of the man in fact it completely solidifies it uh <laughs> <laughs> it's uh i'll leave with this dancing six where do you stand on it mogan it's not for me <laughs> um, yeah. i'm not sure it's for anyone no. yeah uh it's it's for i don't even think it's for him yeah. <laughs> all right man well uh thank you for this it's always a pleasure to have you on i'm sure we'll be seeing you again uh for something equally uh annoying <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> thanks a lot man all right guys uh fuck i'm still hung over nick bring us home <laughs> yeah uh that's it uh subscribe yeah like tell your friends yep. uh days of the new on instagram another drink yeah all right get to it kevin see y'all next week yeah.